Welcome to episode 5 of the A24 podcast. We're back from our summer hiatus and very excited to share this conversation between Ethan Hawke and Alia Shawkat. Ethan recently played a tormented pastor in Paul Schrader's First Reformed, delivering a career best performance that led Twitter to anoint him the Tom Hanks of A24. Alia is an actress, writer, painter, and musician. She starred in our 2016 film, Green Room, and guest stars in our upcoming TV project, Moonbase 8. Last year, Ethan directed Alia in a film called Blaze, which chronicles the life of legendary songwriter Blaze Foley. Blaze is distributed by IFC, and you can see it right now in select theaters. For their conversation, Ethan called Alia from his island home in Nova Scotia. Well, how have you been? Pretty good. Oh, are they rolling? Now we're rolling. Um, yeah, I'm in L.A. in this, like, very decorative studio. And what's, what's happening in your life? Like, fill me in, color in the, the details of <laughs> um, where I'm finding you. I'm in L.A. It's very hot. I just bought a studio. I've been painting every day, and I've been writing. Yeah, dude, I got this, like, I bought this, this like, weird old grocery store in Highland Park. It's like my treehouse. I just, like, hang out in there. I paint, and I've been writing. Yeah, I'm about to do, like, a short film. So I haven't been acting in, like, a couple months, which has been fun. And, yeah. And did you write this? Did you write the short film? Are you directing it? What are, I'm not. I'm just acting in it. it. There's this cool writers. There's, like, this young Lebanese couple that I met that I really like. And uh, so I'm going to do this short film with them. But, yeah, this will be the first acting in a while. Okay, you're now qualifying as one of the single coolest people I've ever met in my life. I mean, this sounds like... Wait, what? <laughs> Who's the coolest? I, I don't know, like a book. I mean, you're reaching the newer, higher status <laughs> in my brain. Making cool short films with a Lebanese couple that you like. You're living in an old grocery store. Is that what you said? That's what it used to be. Yeah, it's cleaned out now, though, so it's fresh. What are What are you doing? I was going to come see you guys well, I mean, up north, and then I fucked up. But how's your life? I, I know. Well, I've just, um, you know, I don't think I realized it, but I've been... You know, I've been running, I've had the treadmill on max for a, a little while. And meaning I've just been doing so many things and bouncing around. And I just took the month, which I've been wanting to do for a long time, and dropped out to our place in Nova Scotia. Yeah, and, dude, you got to do it. Yeah, I just had the best time. Um, I hung finally, like, hung out with my kids and <laughs> made art projects. Yeah. And talked and made s'mores and we had this thing that we do every morning all summer we would wake up i kind of love this we would take uh the change that we would find money now you can't tell anybody this i know mm -hmm. it's a podcast but yeah. <laughs> this is technically illegal but we would put the pennies on the track you know because there's a railroad track that runs by my house oh yeah and we would put the pennies on the track and then you know the train comes by in the middle of the night and smashes the coins to kingdom come and it flattens them out makes all these weird crazy shapes and then we take the coins and we make designs we like glue weird shapes on rocks all over the island because we have this it's an eight acre island in nova scotia oh my and, god you know we just we hide little eyeballs and weird things on the trail and uh, the kids love it, and I love it. I love the and eyeballs. So, like when people are walking, they can... yeah, they, you see like the eye of God looking back at you, <laughs> thank you, asking you, "What are you doing?" I love you that. Know? I what love are you secret eyeballs. About? I know that's great. And now, so I'm gearing up. You know, the movie that we made together. Is yeah, out, I can't believe it. It's kind of 
it's a really weird moment in my life where, like you, I try to do a lot of different things because mm-hmm. I feel like they fuel each other. For sure. And it's the first time, you know, something that I directed it turned out the way that I wanted it to. You know, <laughs> yeah, you have what, these the dreams of mice and men, and, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes, sometimes things turn out kind of like you wanted them to, or almost like, or yeah. in a way inspired by something you would have wanted. But so I've had this weird summer where... We're releasing this movie that I love so much, and uh, simultaneously, First Reformed, this movie that I did with Paul Schrader, uh, has been coming out, and that's been... Yeah, I just got sent a, a screener uh, yeah, of it. I lo- It's so trippy, but I feel terrible because I was like late for this uh, interview, our podcast, that I wasn't able to finish like the last 20 minutes of it, which it's a very weird place to leave off on a movie. So I'm going to uh, be watching that when I get the back. The movie's got one of the strangest endings of all time. Right. I have a um, feeling. I left off when you you and Amanda Seyfried were like floating together in the air. I'll just leave it at that. No spoiler alerts. Uh, it, you'll get to it. It's, yeah. um, it's been a great, you know, I don't know what your feelings are, but it's been one of the most turbulent political times of my life. Mm-hmm. And so to have some kind of, you know, whatever you call it, art to put into the world that you care about and believe in feels a little bit like some kind of bomb in Gilead, you know? Totally. Oh, gosh. I just came in real clear in my headphones. All of a sudden, I turned into God, speaking no, about political you, events. You, you sound like God, and I feel like Noah. And like, you're gonna <laughs> I'm to like, listen to me now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I keep looking back on films that came out maybe, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, and how we I would be able to appreciate them or look at them in just a very different light. And now, you know, I was acting back then, but now um, when I think about stuff I want to make, especially stuff I want to write, yeah, I can't help but, I don't know, it's just, it's um, it's naturally affected by everything that's happening. And, yeah, there's no way to kind of, there's not really art I necessarily want to make that doesn't have either a lot of this, like, heavy I don't want to say heaviness, but I don't know, some some strong truth to it that I feel like we're all feeling on a daily basis. And that doesn't mean it has to be political, but just has to be real honest. You know, it, there's a different kind of entertainment that um, I think we're all craving. People talk about, yeah, you know, that's how I feel about anything that tells the truth is kind of political. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I even... You know, I did this, that before trilogy with Julie Delpy, and yeah, yeah. it's it's on the surface completely non-political. They don't talk about politics at all, and it is just about romantic love. But if you tell a story honestly, you know, politics is about people and what is happening in our lives. And it, the opposite is also true, the inverse, which is if you make movies or write books or do a painting to try to sway a vote or try to have an agenda with an audience, then all of a sudden the the art sucks, you know, There's, because it's not art, it's some kind of propaganda. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I agree with the said cause, you know. Right. No, it's um, about human experience. Like, cool about, yeah, what's yeah, cool? <laughs> what's really this, you would like this guy, Paul Schrader, um, because he he's really pretty ferocious person, mm-hmm. um, and it's really only interested in, uh, in in trying to get away from as much artifice as possible. And I don't know, I one of the things that, I don't know if I have, I'm supposed to do this, but one of the things about directing you that's really interesting, especially Uh-oh. the situation we were in, I mean, 
you were you were working with someone who had never acted before, and so many people would see that as a, a, a uninteresting challenge, you know. And it, it was so much fun. Ali, I've never gotten a chance to say it was so much fun to edit your performance because you're always great. You know, I, I compare. Ben and, and Charlie, our, our, our resident musicians, they're totally inspired artists, and I love them. But you were kind of forced a little bit like what I always heard it was like to work with Marilyn Monroe, which is like <laughs> it, it, sometimes they always used the take that Marilyn was great in. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Thinking about it, she was so she was so mercurial and strange and interesting. I remember one of my first jobs was with Jack Lemmon, and he was telling me uh-huh. about working with Marilyn Monroe and saying that you had to be great every take. Right, because he didn't know which one was going to use it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which one one Marilyn was going to come through with her inspired moment on. You just had to be great all the time. We never really talked about this, but you and, I mean, how old were you when you started? A kid, right? I mean, I was a kid, yeah. I was uh, nine. Nine. Was that in that, in that, that George Clooney movie? Was that your first movie? Yeah. I did a Barbie commercial. That was my first gig. And then a week later, I did Three Kings. Yeah, the David Russell movie. You did a Barbie movie. commercial? Oh, yeah. Barbie in a Porsche. Picnic in a Porsche. <laughs> oh, uh, it was I, me I and, like, a white anything. blonde girl. I've got to have a link. I know. It's hard to find it. It's, like, oh, it's definitely not on God. YouTube. Um, I've searched many a stoned night, um, sadly. But, yeah, my first job, like, proper job was oh. the David O. Russell movie, um... Where I played like an Iraqi refugee. Uh, feels like a whole other world since then. <laughs> yeah. But I will say it's interesting. You're, um, I, I related to whatever this, I mean, this is a weird backhanded, strange, I'm complimenting you by kind of complimenting myself. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Or I'm complimenting myself. It's a myself podcast about us. Complimenting you. I'm not sure what you did. Come on, it's both of us. I just really loved the, your, approach to acting and I related to it, which is that you're completely centered and present all the time. And uh, there's a we vibed out on that a lot, a lot of the when we did the when we um FaceTimed for the first you know, time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But you know, I, I have a I have a daughter who's acting now and there's oh, right. so much energy coming at women that makes it harder, I think. That there's so it doesn't even matter whether you're an actor or not. Women are made to feel a lot more self-conscious all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I always feel like, you know, that kind of self-consciousness. One of the things I loved about watching Ben in front of a camera is he had no idea what he looked like. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> for example, he would sit with his legs straight open and not know that it was a giant cock shot. Right. You know, <laughs> and he was so unselfconscious and just wanted to try to be true to the situation. Yeah. And so but, on a trained of like you being know, like, this is, yeah, this is how I, this is what I do when I look charming. This is what I do, you know, because he had no reference of other Yeah, which so jobs. many actors you work with, yeah. you catch them. Don't you just you catch them making their charming face, or of course, is, or I talk quiet when I want people to listen, yeah, or, smoky I, eyes or I or I yell when I want yeah. people to be intimidated. They have their like little their ten faces they pull out of their bag, yep. and it's it's some you know you always read about this uh, beginner's mind thing that I feel like Ben really had, which is you, you know you give somebody a bow and arrow the first time they pull it, they shoot a bullseye because they don't think too much about it 
but you have that too, and and yet and yet you're really experienced. I just was extremely grateful to you because so many um, young actors that I have worked with, the biggest demon in the woods for them is is being self conscious. Because we've, you grew up with DPs telling you that you look better this way or you should get your teeth fixed. Or, I mean, I just happened to mention the tooth fix, not because nobody's ever told me to fix my perfect teeth. <laughs> God forbid um, you ever, your teeth are perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, it's yeah. taken a lot of, you know, and as, as you must know too, it's like, I feel like I have to forget and, and relearn lots of things. When I think of the way I used to approach um, an acting role when I was younger, I actually didn't think about it at all when I was young. It was like purely instinctual. And then I got very self-conscious. And then I was like, wait, am I even good at this? And then I had to kind of forget it again. You know, and the thing that I learned the most, I feel like, or try to practice is that you have to be um, responsive to the people you're working with. And, you know, so on Blaze, it's like with Ben, it was the easiest for me because before meeting him, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be working with someone, Ethan Trustimlo, um, that's someone who hasn't acted before. And then when I met him, I was like, oh, he doesn't even, this guy's there. I just had to kind of follow him, you know, and gracefully uh, breathe in his presence. Yeah, it's like forgetting kind of all the stuff you know and and just being there. And also, I think we were just like so lucky. Um, you know, the story was inspired so much by, by you meeting Ben too, because like he is the the heart you know, and we were lucky enough that the our friendship, like the chemistry, just like made so much sense for there to be a story about love there. You know, it is. It, it's funny, like when things are right. I read some interview with Nick Nolte the other day that said that he only learns from things that are wrong because when things go right, it's almost without any effort at all. Yeah, you know, I mean, even. Uh, I never, I never thought of anyone else for your part. Isn't that weird? We didn't even know each other. You're the yeah, first, I, first person I thought of. First person I reached out to. You're like one of the handful of people that actually knew who Blaze Foley was, and who mm-hmm. had the the guts to go for this. And it is strange. I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Where it, it, sometimes it seems like our job is to get nature wants to do everything. It presents us with so much beauty all the time and so much truth and so much interesting that it's really just asking you to get out of the way. Yeah, for and sure. And if you can just kind of be present and, and, and not and not try to work your agenda on something. And I think that's what mm-hmm. happened with that project. I think its intentions were everybody who came to it. Well, it's a strange thing about money, right? If, if nobody's getting paid, then you know why everybody's there. And it's a lot more clear. And when you get on some big sets, it's, it's a little confusing because some people are there because they really care and they're passionate. And other people are there because they couldn't get a better job or some people are there because they really want to get hired again. And so and you have I mean, to be really appreciative. A kid. Yeah. No matter what, you have to be very appreciative. But I feel like especially on yeah. those, you have to remind yourself, like, you. we're very lucky because we're not – Having to kind of struggle oh, for any of this. Whenever you have, whenever you have a job. Yeah, exactly. This one young person with once, I, I I said to him like, why are you playing this? See, like your character wouldn't do it like that. And he said, you know, I'm not really concerned with my character. I just want to make sure I get hired again. So I know mm. he refused to be scared. He just wanted to be cool, right. you know. And so it didn't matter what situation we were in. He said every line like he was asking somebody 
to kiss him or something. Yeah, and um, and did you kiss him? Or uh, that's, did it work? <laughs> I kissed him every day. There you go. That's um, all he wanted, really. <laughs> yeah. And how is um how is your family right now? I always found your it was, it was so cool to get to meet your brother, and I, I know the yeah. story of your family. So, what do they think about what you're doing? Um, they're doing really well. They just got a house in like San Pedro. I don't know if you know that neighborhood. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, they're they're doing cool. My my folks came to my studio the other day, and it was funny because like the natural f- flare ups around parents. Like I'm tight with my folks, but. You know, even as a almost 30-year-old woman, I still act like a child around them sometimes. But it's a very vulnerable, real, you know, space for me. It feels like it's inside my, you know, whatever, my inner child's, like, play playroom. So when they come in there, I, like, have, like, my hands, you know, crossed. And I'm like, well, what do you think? Like, do you like it or what? <laughs> and it was just like I'm coming at them with this, you know, they're like, I mean, yeah, it's nice. And I was just like, but no, it's, it, you don't understand. Have you always been painting? You know, yeah, I have been painting a lot the last like ten years. I have like a website and I do shows and stuff, but um it's not that I don't try to promote it, but I feel like acting is such a promotion in itself because it's my face. So these other things I do, I just don't um I don't know, talk about it as much. But yeah, I've always painted. When I'm not acting, all I'm trying to do is get to paint, but I haven't had a space in a long time to actually uh do it. Uh, Because it takes such a practice and, like, an everyday, you know, routine. But now that I'm in there, it's just, uh, it's very addictive. I I love it. It's a very different side of my brain that gets to work. Yeah. I I think it it goes extremely well with acting. You know, there's a lot of of actors enjoy painting. I used to, when I I did this movie years ago called The Newton Boys, you know, it was Mm -hmm. like a Richard Linklater it, it aspired to be an Altman-esque uh, Western, and McConaughey was in it, and Vincent D'Onofrio, and Dwight. Yeah, we had a really fun. good time making it. But yeah. I, I was—I I only worked about once or two days uh, a week, and it was—it was back in the days where independent movies could shoot a long time. It yeah. used to be like five months, and I lived in Austin, and I never—and I didn't know what to do with myself, and so I—I uh, I got all these watercolors and. I realized that I was one of the highest paid watercolors <laughs> in Austin because because you were getting paid uh, for the I, movie. I really right. I spent a lot more time watercoloring than I did acting, and I, I loved it. Yeah. And it's strangely, it's the way I've um, I can connect with my children mm-hmm. the best from a young age. If you if you get people in a room, and my, you know my stepdad did this with me and my sister. If you can get if you get people in a room painting together, you strangely get to know each other really well. Yeah, totally. Things come out when people... It's a little bit like a long drive. Sometimes, you know, when you have a really long drive, you find yourself in conversations that you wouldn't if you were trying to. Totally, yeah. But if you're painting together, this would happen in our... You know, it's, you, you just, you're sitting there trying to work on this painting, and, and through a couple hours of silence, some something comes out of it. I, I have to see, I really want to see your um, paintings now. I have to come to the yeah. grocery store. you got to come next time you're in L.A. I'll send you some photos, too, of some weird stuff. All right, please do. Yeah. Um, so are you going to... Um, we're going to, um, I'll be out in L.A. for the Blades release. I'll be out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'm hey, going to see you in New York. You, are you, will you be at the New York opening, too? Yeah, yeah, I'll be at the New York one, because I'll be out living in New York, working out there now, come September. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. When do you come out there? September 1st. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, that'll be, Ben and I are going to, um, Locarno and going to show the movie in front of, I think six, it's a 6,000 screen, uh, movie what? theater outside in the mountains of Switzerland. What the? Uh, and so we're going to have to take some pictures. That's insane. Isn't that cool? What is that? That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I know. And so we're going to go to Switzerland. I mean, this is the job that just keeps on giving. I know, um, for real. That, it really does. It, I mean, I've had, I had a friend who was in Nashville who sent me a picture of the poster because I know that it's kind of getting released in the South first, right? Yeah. Going to New yeah. York and L.A. And I've just had some very, like, um, random people that I know from very different pockets um, have been reaching out to me about hearing about Blaze. And I, I'm, it's it's cool. It just feels like it's it's uh, spreading in, in kind of a unique way. That's kind of cool. It's just, yeah. Uh, IFC has, it, they just had this idea that maybe um, they would start where, you know, where Blaze worked and where Blaze died. I think and that's cool. So it feels right for some reason, you know? Yeah. Are you ready to direct what again? What you say? Are you ready to direct again? You know, I, I don't know. I I have, um, I don't know how you feel about it, but... One, there was this quote I feel like you would relate to. On to be honest, it was above the toilet at my house where I grew up. Mm-hmm. My mother had this like um, you know one of those uh, it was a framed, beautifully calligraphied uh, picture of Shaker expressions. My mother really liked Quakers and Shakers and yeah. that kind of philosophy. And one of the quotes was improve in one talent and God will give you more. And then underneath it was, you know, apprentice, apprentice four professions to master one. Mm. And I think as I've gotten older, I kind of realized that my real profession is acting. And I really enjoy doing all these other arts, but it's, it's something that I don't want to be a quote-unquote professional about it. It's, it's kind of like what you just said about acting itself. It takes so much promotion, and, and it draws so much mental, you know, you yeah, you, you, you get energy. known for it. You get recognized in supermarkets yeah. for it. There's a lot of a huge psychic toll that it takes on you. It's kind of, people don't really, re- I'm always going to tell these press people, like, you know, you get recognized more for going on the Jimmy Fallon show than for any acting job I've done. You know, right. there's, there's <laughs> oftentimes people stop you on the street because they recognize you and people say, oh, isn't that flattering? You're like, well, no, because they really don't know the difference between me and Lee Harvey Oswald. They just know that they recognize <laughs> Yeah, you know? it's a familiarity um, that's, uh and, and people find comforting, but is also like we're not actually connecting, which is strange. Yeah. So what I'm really interested in right now is there was something – I learned from Blaze that there was so much, we were all in service of each other. You know, people fell in love with Sybil. We all fell in love with Sybil and her story. And But she wasn't why we came there. We all came there for the love of Blaze. Mm-hmm. And then this other thing starts to happen where people start just taking care of each other. Yeah. And I, I kind of think that, you know, we're all happy that Ben did such a good job. But the truth is Ben's just happy he didn't let us down. You know, yeah. That's how he thinks about it. He felt there was so much artistry being put in to support him that he he didn't want to let us all down. And, and when you, I think that when you do work in the service of something 
beyond your own self-aggrandizement in some way, it, it, it feels really right, and it, and it comes out better. Yeah. Uh, it becomes integrated with your whole life, and not just it's not just in service of you, but it's in service of your integration with your... Let's think about this. I, this, I produced this movie with my wife, you know, so when I get to go to yeah. the, the producer to Locarno, Switzerland, I get to go with my wife. I know. You know it's really fun. It is really and fun. It, it, it makes everything feel in balance in a way, or it has. And so while I love the idea of directing again, I also feel hesitant because I don't want to turn this this thing that taught me so much and that I'm so proud of into something that I'm, you know, like chasing it like another right. shot of beer. So, I, you know, another high. Uh, well, it seems I, like as it I comes, like if, why it went well is because I'll no, say that again. Just that it seems like, you know, as things come because you do these different things that you approach it when it's when it's uh, when it's calling you. And that means like you're actually ready to do it. You. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you, you have to trust the universe kind of tells you these things about when, where you're supposed to be. I got this call almost exactly a year ago where, you know, I got a call that Sam Shepard was really sick and he really wants to try to mount a revival of True West, you know, as soon as possible. And what I want to do is, and I said, yes. And, and he passed like two days later, you know, right. um, and you feel like, okay, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Just right. Are you about like, to do okay, it now? The, or you already yeah, did I'm that? doing True West with Paul Dano. Oh, my God. So exciting. No, we're doing it. We start rehearsals this fall. Oh, great. I can't come. would that be fun? That will be amazing. And, yeah, you have to come. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I think it must be confusing for you, too. I mean, confusing is a negative word, but, like, exciting. You're a strange entity, you know. I mean, I, I keep wanting to get you uh, – I want to get you and Ben a – a concert date. I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> things about making this movie was listening to the two of you sing together. I, I know, mean, it's so uh, fun. And one of the tortures, the tortures of editing the movie was, <laughs> every time you sang, I wanted it to be in the movie. I, I just, <laughs> and, you know, trying to maintain some narrative pull, you know, and not just fall in love with the music the whole time. But, yeah, so much singing is, uh, it's got to be a pretty vital part of your life. Are you, are you gonna, um, are you doing any more singing or recording? You know, I, I'm not. But not again for you know. I guess it's the same when asking you about well, directing. I'm, it's like I. I'm gonna drag you out, value to do it. Do it, drag me out, man. I'll sing with Ben anytime. He makes me feel. He's a fun voice to sing with. It makes me feel good about it. Um, no, and, I miss uh, it. I think singing is a. I, I feel you know. I think we're we're so lucky that we get to, you know, acting for me as well has been the thing that's brought me out <laughs> here or to be able to meet and have all these opportunities. Um, but then with singing and, and painting and writing, there are these other things that I feel very drawn to in periods of my life. And they, they have helped me connect to a different side of myself. When I'm singing, it's another very social part of me. Um, but it's... Um, I don't know, sharing my my vulnerabilities in a way, like being on stage and having only mainly saying jazz, you know, the whole process of being on a stage and kind of swaying and singing those those songs that are usually about like lost loves and pain. And, it, you know, it's really, it's so fun. 
and the whole culture of it, especially being in New Orleans with the band, you know, with James' band, um, the Swamp Donkeys and stuff. But then when I'm out here, I'm in, I'm like, finally, in a, when I'm in like a painting mode, I just want to, for once, not not be looked at in this way, you know. Just like as a human, I want to be seen, but uh, yeah. not in this kind of like, listen to me, you know, watch me. I'm like, I want to, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying and knowing, you know, that it'll ebb and flow because I do crave it again, but um, to express myself that way. But right now I'm like wearing the same thing every day, going into a studio, you know, loving the routine that I never get normally in my good. life. Yeah, and it feels great. But then I'm excited to, you know, switch it again. I think we're, whether we're actors or because we're actors, it's like drawn to this this kind of... Um, I like the metamorphosis of the like the different ways to get well, energy and connect to people. One of the things that uh, it, a dilemma for the life of an actor is that you're also only really as good or challenged as your opportunities. Yeah. And some of the other art provide you with a window to make your own opportunities totally. um, and to challenge yourself in your own way. And I think, I think for me, uh, it's been essential to like oxygen. If you just, if you're sitting around waiting for people to be interested in you to act. Yeah. You're it, screwed. Forever. Especially if, if you have a certain, if you aspire for a certain level of even a minimum level of quality, it's really hard. Those opportunities, you know, if you, I always try to explain to people like it, there's only about a handful of good movies made every year. Yeah. And the idea that they're going to have a part for you and the idea that you're going to get that part when there's so many wonderful actors, it's very hard. It's, it's, it's very hard for acting to be as rewarding as it can be. Totally. You know, when you, when you act for, you know, a couple times in my life, I've gotten to act for a world-class director and with a part that's really challenging. I remember <laughs> I was, I once was acting with Keith Carradine and, um, oh, cool. and he told a funny story about he, he, he got a part. He got the lead role in this movie. Thieves, thieves like us, um, that Altman was directing, and he just finished it. And he had coffee with Steve McQueen, and he told Steve McQueen, he said, "You know, Steve, it finally happened. I got a great role with a world class director. Yeah, and I crushed it. I just, I had a great hit on this character." And, Ms. and McQueen just said, "Well." It's all over now. <laughs> it's never going to happen again. <laughs> the worst thing you can hear. <laughs> oh. yeah, it's, like, it's like, well, good for you, dude. It's, Can't it's celebrate it now. long. Yeah. This is so fair. <laughs> yeah. And that's why Keith, Keith said that's why he really started taking his music more seriously. Right. You know? It's just because that was something that he, that was something he could control. And mm. it gives you an artistic outlet that, um, that you don't have to wait for somebody to give you permission to do it. Totally. You know? um, I always say that when I talk to, um, not that I'm the one who knows, but almost for advice for myself too with, with other actor friends of mine, when we're in between jobs and, and yeah, always craving that to work on the best part with the best director, it's like it's it's not always possible to just create your own work, but to even give yourself the permission that you can to be like, hey, I can write something whether it becomes to you know comes to fruition or not to try to it is about creating different opportunities creatively if you have the time and the opportunity mm -hmm. you know just like allow yourself but to think you, of different what shit. You said it's really but giving yourself permission that's the mm -hmm. hardest part because we all have that little voice 
that says you're a phony, yeah. you're you're posing. You you're only as good as what other people are. say. Yeah, that, totally. Yeah, you know, and I always, I, it's funny to be thinking about Shepard, but I always thought he was the kind of patron saint of actor-writers because he was such a fine actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he was pretty successful as a young man, Days of Heaven, mm-hmm. um, acting in a, a, a lot of different people's movies and plays and but he really gave himself permission to be a writer and to think like a writer and to be a real writer. Yeah. Not just, you know, not he, an actor he, he first or whatever. Not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I've always, he, the first time I acted in one of his plays, I was about 25 and I was really like, man, that's the trick. You just got to give yourself permission. Yeah. Permission to be an idiot and permission to fail and permission to, to, to think, to aspire for a lofty ideal. Yeah. Um, Because if you don't, you certainly won't be this great. It's a great Dylan quote that is uncomfortable and annoying as it is to other people. Uh, (laughs) When you really sit down to write a song, there has to be some part of you that secretly thinks this song might change the world. Yeah, of course. Because if you you set limitations on yourself, then how is anyone... There's no way in hell it's gonna. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yeah. Why the hell should anyone pay money to hear this song if you don't think it's brilliant? (laughs) But yet, giving yourself permission to say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to try. And I think that's why people are so comfortable making money. Making money Mm. is this barometer which you can say, I'm doing well. You know, I'm doing well because I made money. Um, It's like I scored this many points. Um, and yet we all secretly know that making money does not make you a good person and does not make you happy and does not make the world no. a better place. You know, what's mysterious is really what is going to make you successful at being you and me successful at being totally. me because it's yeah. always going to be different no matter who we are. Yeah. But everybody loves money because it's a metric they can, they know what it is. Okay, totally. he just wants to make money. Or yeah, she wants we hang to make out money. because we make the and same then, amount of money. you live. Yeah, like... As when you're an artist professionally, wait, say that again. That like people's shared passions can really bring you together when you're when you authentically find out what you know you actually love or or something that oh, you're passionate about, like an that's idea. Intimacy. Yeah, that's intimacy. That's exactly being able that's, like to be on a set. It's like a camp, thing. and it's like being in a band. It's like these weird. You can have. I, I've had it before. Like a serious connection. That as corny as it sounds is is a kind of love, yeah, and it sure. actually wakes you it wakes you up and makes you glad to be alive and makes you want to get up in the morning and um and, and it still, doesn't have to be romantic, you know that's no. the thing. yeah, I think that's a huge um uh, it's, it's lesson. All, yeah. I mean that's a whole other thing, but uh, a huge lesson that love doesn't have to be romantic to i think. People still get so confused by that for some reason, even though it seems like a very simple fact. Um, to be able to follow, just not get confused by ownership and, and things like that, because it's still very mercurial in the sense of like what makes you happy. I was listening to this thing on the radio today that was talking about how they fucked up a generation by being like, find what you love and then try to make money from it. And they're like, now all these kids, no one's, we don't have any workers. Like nobody's in the factories <laughs> because everyone's just trying to find out to do what they love. And I was like, wait, what are we talking about here? Like, this is crazy. Like you try to teach them some, you know, um, philosophical lesson and they're just taking it so literally. They're like, well, some people, someone's got to clean the toilets. 
You know, I'm like, well, okay. But um, <laughs> it's it's a strange balance. Everybody wants some kind of, like, call and response, like an answer to to things. When you have to kind of rediscover it, which, you know, in a way is kind of like, like we're acting, what we're talking about. It's like it, it's, it feels like it's gone when it's over, like Steam McQueen being like, well, it's done now. But you, you have to rediscover it again. It's about the, the catch and release, like the constant, like being more comfortable with that than actually catching it. Um, it's like being okay to let it go and then believing that more things will come and just keeping that practice going. Um, you have to do that with your passions or with love because, like, Otherwise, something's going to die if you hold on it's to it so for too long. Str- it's, it's so strange that way, like, because there really is nothing to achieve. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, <laughs> something, there's something at work. I mean, we live in a, there's something at work that's so much bigger and more mysterious and more unknowable. And it's our constant desire to, like, win or achieve something or make something. You know, haven't you really even like painting a picture, like you get obsessed with it. Yeah. You know, invariably it turns out kind of like you want it or whatever, but then you just have to move on. But that doesn't mean that the obsession of working on it wasn't valuable. It's actually way more valuable than however it finished. Yeah, Um, definitely. And I I find it really mysterious watching, you know, in relationship to our movie that we did together it's really interesting watching Blaze, Blaze the person, Mike Fuller the person, Blaze Foley. His poem is still being worked out. Mm. You know, his music is is still whatever the poem of his life is. It's still working itself out now. In even though he's gone, but understanding of him and what his impact is on the people around him isn't over just because he's passed in the same way that people that I've known and loved and things who have passed, our, our relationship isn't dead. You, yeah. you, you know, that it, it's my, my memories change and I remember things where I change. And when I'm different, the memory becomes different. Does that Definitely. make sense? Yeah, of course. Um, also the fact that we were able to and, have a whole new relationship or a relationship with blaze by making it. And now that is coming out, it's going to be a whole other, wave of of his story still being alive and how it's going to connect to people and then how they're going to want to connect with us about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, it's just like a whole nother chapter of this still to come. And we just have to give it all away, you know? Just to, yeah. That's what it's like. Life is this continual process of just giving everything away. And so you actually just give away your whole life. Right. Your actual <laughs> yeah. Who you else needs give it? that away too? Yeah. It'll yeah. come back. In different forms. Um, <laughs> I know. I love this. There's a great. In, I don't know why it's just heavy on my mind. I guess because I'm rehearsals time. But there's a great in, in Shepard's last book. That apparently Patty Smith typed up and everything because he lost control of his hands. You know, he had Luke mm. Eriks and he was str- he couldn't write anymore. But he was dictating these things. But uh, the 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 overwhelming sentiment is him kind of looking at this old man wondering who this person is. <laughs> right. Who is this person? Looking at himself. Right, right, right. This, right. Is, this is me. This, this, is the, this is the same me that was riding Broncos. <laughs> who is me? You know, right. what, what is me now? It's like oh, gosh. me, me yeah. is all these different things. It's well, just, I've been reading this book. It's um, literally called The Taboo mm-hmm. of Knowing Who You Are. Having to release, you know, I mean, we should have start our own podcast about forgetting our identity. But... That's a whole other thing. 
what was so interesting about being around Christofferson is because his memory is getting so fragile that he actually is becoming a living embodiment of living in the present moment. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, it's literally just an aggressive uh, representation uh, of it. Uh, just yeah. Awake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he remember him saying to me once, well, it's kind of beautiful in a way. <laughs> Just annoying to other people. Right, exactly. <laughs> if you're saying it, everyone else is crazy, you know. Are you still saying? Well, listen, you know, Ali, the whole time we've been talking, I've we stopped at this, we got really lucky. We stopped at this roadside park and Ryan and Clementine in Indiana, and the two dogs are running through this water park. What? And they're having a pretty good time, but I can tell, I can tell from Ryan's expression at 100 yards that she would love for this for you to join to in. Over. Yeah, I'll give her my love. Give her a big hug for me. I'm so excited to see you guys. I'll, I'll see you like the I first week we of get, September. We're going to see you in New York, right? I can't wait. Yes, it's been way too long. And you know, we, I, I really want to. I really want to get you and Ben singing a, uh, a couple of these. Uh, Dude, you say the events. word and I'll so I'm sing. I'm going to try to make it happen, okay? Yeah, as long as Ben's there to play. Okay, I'll sing. Okay, well, we can make it happen. Cool. All right. Bye, Ethan. To be continued, Alia. Yeah, for sure. Have fun in Switzerland. Bye. All right, later. Thanks so much for listening. Look out for episode six next month. The A24 podcast is produced by us, A24. Special thanks to Doug and Aaron at Robot Repair who composed our theme.